Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate it. Well, good morning. The uh, story is told of Dr. Uh, Albert Einstein, who was uh, traveling by train. And uh, as he was traveling with some co-workers, he, uh, he saw the conductor coming, to, who was stamping the tickets. And uh, he started rustling around, um, looking for his ticket. And uh, as the conductor approached, he was still looking under his seat and in his bags, and the conductor arrived, and he said, Dr. Einstein, he said, look, he said, I, I know who you are. He said, it's okay. He said, you, you don't need a ticket. And he punched the tickets of his, uh, Dr. Einstein's colleagues and went on his way up the aisle, and two or three rows later, he turned around, and there was Dr. Einstein still rummaging around looking for his ticket. And so the conductor was a little puzzled, but he went back and he said, look, he said, Dr. Einstein, I already told you. He said, I know who you are. He said, you, you, you don't need your ticket. To which Dr. Einstein replied, he said, son, he said, I too know who I am. He said, my problem is I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> this morning, I have the privilege to tell you and to remind you that we have a God who knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing, and he has a plan. And this morning, I have the privilege of just sharing with you a little bit about what he's doing and the privilege that I have of being a part of that. As Pastor said, uh, my name is Doug Martin. I'm with a group called ABWE, the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. We've been around for about 85 years, and we have um, a little over 1,200 missionaries in uh, 70 countries around the world. And uh, my family and I, we left for the country of Romania when uh, our girls, I think, were eight, five, and four. And as you can see behind me, they're just a little bit older than that now. Our oldest daughter is actually in the, the middle, Melissa. And um, she just graduated from college from Cedarville University in Ohio. Our uh, middle daughter, Michelle, who is in the blue and the blonde, um, is a sophomore at Baptist Bible College, and she really has a heart to go back to Romania. I wish I could spend a lot of time telling you about Michelle, only because as a seventh grader, um, she told me that I was wrecking her life. Um, have you ever heard that before? Right. And, you know, it's interesting because it wasn't because I was making her move to a foreign country. You know, you'd think uprooting somebody out of America and taking them to a foreign country. She told me I was wrecking her life because as a seventh grader, I told her that daddy had been given more responsibility and we were moving from Romania, we're moving out of Romania into the country of Hungary. And uh, she would just, you know, was flailing on the couch, dad, you're wrecking my life. I just laughed. Um, and she's great. And she would like to go back possibly to Romania as a missionary. And then our youngest daughter, Mallory, um, check out her YouTube video, Mallory Martin Sings. The uh, Lord has just blessed her with a, a beautiful voice, and she's a freshman uh, studying at Cedarville University. Love our girls. You know, as, a, as missionary kids, they've had all kinds of schooling experiences, and one of them was that we actually had our kids in uh, Romanian public schools um, so that they could learn the language and so that they could have friends because we knew that then it would feel like home, and it really did. So when they heard that we were moving back to the States, um, they, they said, Dad, you can't. We're, we're Europeans. And I was like, you know, honey, really, we're, we're, we are Americans. You know, well, we, we, we've grown up in, in Europe. I said, well, that's right, you grew up in Europe. But anyway, so Europe is, is definitely our home. And um, we've been living in Budapest and uh, for the last, actually, uh, six years um, overseeing Eastern Europe. And what a beautiful city. And if you know where Budapest and what country Budapest is, then you are smarter than a fifth grader, and you're definitely smarter than Kelly Pickler.
capital of what European country? This might be a stupid question. Well, I like showing that little clip to start off with because uh, how many of you knew that Hungary was or Budapest was in Hungary? Uh, oh, well, hey, then you're definitely smarter than country music star Kelly Pickler. Um, you know, when we tell people we're from Budapest, most people don't even know where it is, and it truly is. And Pastor knows since he's been there, it is truly one of the most beautiful cities uh, in all of Europe. I think I would probably say Rome is is number one ahead of that. But um, we've had the privilege of living there the last six years. And uh, the teddy bear toss that you saw uh, was uh, put on by a friend of mine um, who uh, just really has a, a heart for um, cancer, uh, children's uh, cancer victims. And uh, so they were collecting all of those toys for uh, pediatrics oncology, if I pronounce that right. What's interesting is that uh, just about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine calls me, and uh, his name is Bruce McDonald. He's a, a sports chaplain. Um, for he has been for the Philadelphia Phillies, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Philadelphia Eagles, among other teams. And uh, he said, uh, he said, Doug, he said, look, he says, I'm, I have a friend um, who's a believer. He's uh, been in the uh, professional hockey for 20 years. Any hockey fans out there? Anybody know hockey? A couple hockey fans? Anybody recognize the name John Van Beesbrook? Hockey goalie for the New York Rangers, um, Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils, and the, um, let's see, what was the Panthers? Is that the Florida Florida Panthers? Or is it the, Pen- they're in Pensacola, I think. And um, anyway, he calls me up and he says, look, John, I want to bring John on a missions trip. And uh, we would like to, um, you know, stop in, in Budapest. And so we were going to uh, possibly keep John. And this was in about March. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but on March 25th in 2009, the most popular number one hockey player in all of Hungary collapsed on the ice at the age of 33, and that's the announcement. Gabor Ochkai died. Do you know what that does for a community, a hockey community like that, when someone dies suddenly, someone dies unexpectedly? The whole community was um, wondering, what, what's going on? What, what is God doing? And they started being become sensitive to God. And, um, you know, and again, God had a plan. He knew all of this was going to take place. And he brings someone to Hungary named John Van Beesbrook, who just happens to be uh, a pretty famous hockey player. Here's a picture of John with the number one hockey goalie um, for Hungary. And um, 
you know, when, when John came, I mean, I, I knew he was a pretty big deal in the United States, but I didn't realize, because I didn't even know there was ice in Hungary when we first learned that John was coming, and um, I didn't know that all of the Hungarians would even know who John was. I mean, they could quote every team John was from. They could tell you all of his statistics. And uh, this day at the ice rink, when we, uh, when we had him there, the National Hockey Federation actually organized our outreach for us. <laughs> I mean, how good does that get? You know, we said, yeah, we have John, and we were trying to figure out what to do, and we got a hold of the Hockey Federation. They said, John Van Beesbrook is coming. In fact, the week before John was to arrive, they said, now, do you have any documentation? Because we, we're not really sure. I mean, no one of this quality, of this stature has ever come to Hungary before. I said, I said well, you know, I got a couple of emails. I mean, we, I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times. You want my phone records? I mean, what, what do you want from me? What's interesting about this is the day that John was there, I mean, the media just converged on this ice rink. It was headline news in all of the television stations all across Hungary. And this is actually the title, this is the the front page of the newspaper, the most widely published newspaper in all of Hungary from June of 2009, so just a little over a year ago. But what's even more amazing than John's picture being on the front is the caption. Does anybody read Hungarian here? Nobody can give me a hand. You know what it says on the national Hungarian newspaper? It says, God's goalie. Can you imagine having someone come to your country that knows about Christ, a professional athlete, and they would put it on the front page of their newspaper? Because we told them, look, John is coming. He wants to share his testimony. One of the men that was at the ice rink that day that didn't even get a chance to, to meet John was a guy by the name of Gangsta Zoli. And uh, we were going to be having um, a, a sports banquet. That was the sports banquet flyer that we put out. And uh, I happened to meet Gangsta Zoli. Now, for those of you who don't know popular Hungarian uh, music, you know, rock music, there's probably not too many of you out there that know that. Um, let me put it on par with, you know, in the United States, I mean, this would be somebody like, you know, a Lady Gaga, a Taylor Swift, okay, you know, somebody who has made a lot of records, who's known throughout the country, is on television uh, very, very often. So this is Gangsta Zoli and the cartel, uh, his band. And so I happened to meet Zoli that one day. Now, again, I want you to re- remind yourself, you know, think about what God is orchestrating here. Bringing a man like John Van Beesbrook, and sharing the gospel with people throughout the hockey um, community, but that everyone in the country knows what he stands for now. And so I met Gangsta Zoli. We talked for about 20 minutes. You know, he invited me to his concert. He gives me his cell phone number. You know, I mean, this is usual. I mean, you know, Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga, they, they usually give me their telephone numbers. So, you know, I'm used to this kind of treatment. And, um, you know, he's showing me all of his tattoos. The guy is a hockey fanatic. I mean, he's got tattoos of, like, the Finnish hockey goalie on one arm from 1998, the entire team, Finnish hockey team on the other one, daughter. I mean, the guy is just full of tattoos. And um, afterwards, I talked to John, and I said, John, I said, did you get a chance to meet Gangsta Zoli? Um, he really wanted to meet you. And he said, no, he said I, he, he didn't. Uh, he was meeting with the players and sharing the gospel with the players that day. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to invite Gangsta Zoli to uh, come to our sports banquet because I wanted Gangsta Zoli to hear the gospel. Now, I know you're probably getting ahead of me and you're thinking, wow, Gangsta Zoli got saved. Let me back off from that one, all right? We did have a chance to share the, the uh, gospel with Gangsta Zoli. He did come. I called him up. I invited him. We talked on the phone. And I said, you know what? 
I knew from his stature that he wouldn't get a chance to spend time with John. So I said, look, John's staying at my house. I said, why don't you come on over? And I said, why don't we just kind of hang out together, um, you know, with John? And uh, he said, yeah, he said, I'd love to. So he drives over in his 1972 blue Mustang and, uh, you know, boom, 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 he come down the road, parking in my driveway. And I just thought, you know, if my neighbors knew that Gangstazoli was at my house, there would be just an absolute mob here. And uh, so John is uh, there in the middle with the gray pants. And for a hockey goalie, he's not very tall. His, his, uh, his son Ian also came with him on the trip in, in the yellow. One of the other guys there in the middle with the white, uh, besides the Ramones, which is uh, Gangsta Zoli, is another um, hockey official. And uh, a couple of the players. And, you know, again, it's just amazing that, you know, we had a couple of opportunities to share the gospel with, with Gangsta Zoli. I was just back in Budapest about uh, three weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we continue following up with this and the uh, administrative assistant for the Hockey Federation, we had contacted her. We were going to be in Budapest for three days. And uh, I called her, or I, I wrote her and I said, look, MSHA, we're coming. I said, I know you've already heard about, you know, John and she had met John and uh, heard his testimony. I said, but I would like to invite you to come to our church. We attend Danube International Church. I work with small groups there. And um, she was kind of reluctant. She's from a Catholic background and actually... Though she's Hungarian, she was actually born in Romania. And when she found out I knew Romanian, and I would, I would actually then talk to her in Romanian. And she said, Doug, you speak Romanian without an accent. You don't sound like an American. And I said, well, thank you. I said, you know, your, your Romanian's pretty good too. <laughs> as soon as she got done with church, she said, Doug, I've never experienced anything like this before. This isn't like Catholic church that I've been to. She went outside I saw her talking on the phone. I said, I said, were you talking to your son, Hunor? She said, no. She said, I had to call Gangsta Zoli. I had to tell him about this church. I said, well, you know what? Next time you come, I said, why don't you bring Gangsta Zoli as well? So this morning, you know what? Gangsta Zoli still hasn't accepted Christ as Savior. MSA still hasn't accepted Christ as Savior. But would you pray for the number one rock star in all of Hungary that one day he would come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior? And I'm, I'm just thrilled that I... I've gotten to be a part of that. You know, you don't know me from Adam, but uh, I grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan. I still just consider myself a kid who's just the son of a cop, or son of a gun, maybe is more appropriate. <laughs> you know, and I still just see myself as that kid, and I, I can't believe that the Lord chooses to use me in this way. I mean, if I start telling you even some of the other celebrities that I've met and been in contact with and people in parliament, I think to myself, Lord, how is it that you continue giving me these kinds of connections? I, I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid from Detroit. You know, I, I, I'm nobody, Lord. But, you know, the Lord just, he calls people. And not only does he call them, but he empowers them. And he sends them out. And I'm just one of those kids. I'm just one of those average, ordinary people. I, I'm nobody special. But I am just so thankful that the Lord chooses to use me. So would you pray for Gangster Zoli and would you pray for Emma Shea that they would come to know Christ as Savior? Another one of the ministries that we've had the privilege of being involved in is the International Christian School of Budapest. Probably doesn't sound like much on the, on the outside. My wife taught there for three years. In the last three years, she was actually the um, principal, the elementary principal. But through this ministry of this school, what's amazing, this is my wife sharing with the kids, What's amazing is how the Lord has actually reached out not only into the Christian community where sons and, and children of, of missionaries have accepted Christ as Savior, but also diplomatic kids, kids of diplomats. 
The young lady in the purple shirt is a girl by the name of Natalie. And I wish my wife were here today because normally at this point she, gets, uh, she comes up and she tells you a little bit about some of the kids that have come to know Christ as Savior because of this particular ministry, this school. Natalie is, this, is the daughter of a Dutch diplomat. She had eye cancer when she was younger and uh, needed some special education. The American International School over there couldn't care for her, and they always recommend that they come to our school because we have special services. We have a school of about 225 students, just built a new $3.5 million addition, high school wing, gymnasium. And um, uh, last year, Natalie came and announced to her class that she had accepted Christ as her Savior. And one of the kids was asking, they said, well, did your mom and dad tell you about Jesus? And she said, no. She said, everything that I've learned about God I learned because of my teachers here at ICSB. And Natalie's not the only one. There's also a, a boy by the name of Arnold, whose, son, uh, whose father is a Hungarian diplomat, and his dad is now stationed in Iran. And Arnold accepted Christ as Savior, and now playing with Iranian children in Iran. Do you imagine we just sent a missionary to Iran by the International School of Budapest? I could tell you about the Chinese uh, students that come to our school, that their parents want them to learn English. And about two years ago, 18 of the Chinese students accepted Christ as Savior. And one of the missionaries that you helped send through the IMB, through the International Mission Board, was a Chinese of de- Chinese descent who had a Chinese church in Budapest that all of those students could attend. You know, sometimes you think you give and you're not sure what it's going to. This morning, I get a chance. I have the privilege of telling you, you know what? God is doing things. He's taking your money, the money that you're giving, and he's multiplying it in ways you had no idea. And those Chinese students were coming to Christ and knowing about him through the ministry of that school. One of the other ministries that we've uh, had the privilege of starting, you know, I I often joke um, that our, um, our ministry in, uh, in Europe, I should have called it ex nihilo, uh, which is a Hebrew word meaning out of nothing. Because when we arrived in uh, Romania, we had absolutely no teammates on the field. And they said, Doug, see what you can do with it. <laughs> we said, okay, we'll do our best. Well, in six years, we left behind a team of 20 missionaries. And uh, with our organization, all, every one of us, including me, we have to go out and raise our own individual support. So it's not just that they appoint us to the field. We have to actually recruit them, and they have to spend time raising their own uh, financial support to get there. And so in six years, we left behind a team of 20 ministries. We had started a Bible institute. We had started a Christian school. We had started a translation program. And the other thing that was on my list that I wanted to start was, was a camp ministry. I didn't want to run it myself because I, I didn't feel like that was what the Lord had called me to do. He had called me to help organize and figure out what we needed to do. And so the uh, guy on, on your right um, with his hook fist up there is a young man by the name of Andrew Postema who was working up at a camp in Michigan called Lake Ann Camp. You're familiar with that, aren't you, Nathan? And um, I asked their camp director. It's, it's one of the finest. Uh, ca- they just know what to do with kids. Their philosophy is second to none. And I uh, asked their, their director, I said, Ken, I said, look, I, I need someone. I said, I know God is going to use us in camping ministry, but I need the right guy on the bus. I need him in the right seat. I, I need the right guy. Who do you recommend? He said, Andrew Postema. I said, I know Andrew. Andrew's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, I knew him as a high school student, and then I also knew him as a college student up at Baptist Bible College. I said, I know Andrew. I made a beeline over to Andrew's house. I said, here's what I need. And he's like, you know, I'm going to seminary right now. I said, he said, I'm not ready. I said, that's good. I need a couple more years. I've got to find the right partner church. 
And so we began working on it. Six years it took me. And finally I called Andrew and I said, look, I'll stop bothering you if you'll come help us get our camp ministry off the ground just for this first year in 2005. He said, okay, fine. You know, I was like, get Doug off my back. I said, good, he'll come. I had the right church. We met two or three times. He came to Romania. We began um, training counselors for the camp. And he, at the beginning of, before that camp season, he came to me. He said, Doug, he said, I've got a, my wife and I, we just feel like God's calling us full time to Romania with ABWE so we can do this camping ministry. He could see the potential. He knew what God was about to do. Well, this morning, I get a chance to tell you, you know what? We're in our fifth season of camping. We had, this year alone, we had nearly 400 young people come through our camp ministry in a five-week camping program. We don't even own our own facilities yet. We're trying to raise money for our own facility. We don't even have our own facilities. We go to different camps in different locations throughout Romania, and somehow the kids still find us. They want to come back to this camp. And more than 25 this year alone accepted Christ as Savior. And that's not even the most, oh, that is significant, but not only that, the training program that we have to train young men and women as not only as camp counselors, but for life. I mean, you sh- I wish I had time to read the stories of the- that come back and they say, the training ministry helped me deal with my alcoholic father who's abusive and I know better how to live a Christian testimony before him and I'm telling you God is just using this ministry and you know what I've never even been once I helped put it all together and the first camp summer I couldn't even go we were moving to Hungary and I said you know guys you'll have to do it without me but we had the right team and we had assembled it and we put it together and I'm still hoping one day I get to go back and and visit the camp I helped start (laughs) And that pastor that we joined with that we were telling you about, his name is Cornel Boyanjano, a church that we were ministering in, in Bucharest, Romania, a church of about 1,200, and not even the largest Baptist church in all of Romania. And Cornel said, when we met him the first time, he said, Doug, you come to our church. We need your help. And again, you see how God was orchestrating, because not only did he need help in a couple of areas, but he, his heart was also for camping ministry, as was ours. And his heart was also for missions movements. In fact, and when I say mission movements, they wanted to send missionaries out from Romania, not just to be missionary receivers, but to be missionary senders. And in 2005, Cornell had already been working on a strategy all throughout Romania that he was going to go to 40 different churches in 38 different cities, and he wanted to challenge their churches to be missionary sending churches. Very unusual for Romanian churches. And he was challenging young people to respond to the call to missions. And in that 40 churches how many do you think responded to the call to missions 40 400 young people responded to the call to missions and i remember telling my colleagues i said you know romania is going to be one of the next great missionary sending nations on the earth and one of our good friends uh, alex is now actually the head of the baptist union for the missions department of the baptist union as a 38 year old And we had invested in Alex for more than five years. And now he is the head of the Baptist Union. I'm telling you, the Lord just has given us so many opportunities. And I just think, you know, Lord, you are pretty awesome. (laughs) You are doing some great things. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of it. One of the um, other opportunities that uh, we've had, and again, some of the things that the Lord is doing, I was telling Pastor on the phone when I was talking to him, um, one of the connections that we kind of had was uh, that he knew of uh, Dr. Michael Lewis. 
And uh, when Dr. Lewis was at Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin, Texas, um, their church became one of our uh, supporting churches in 2005 and continues to this day. And um, the man in the picture in the uh, dark suit coat is um, one of the, uh, he's the executive pastor at Great Hills. And uh, uh, Kyle Miller is his name. And Kyle is actually uh, a licensed counselor by trade. And, you know, I, I always look for people to try to come with me when I go on these trips. And this one's actually to the country of Moldova. And, yes, I did have a mustache, and there was actually a beard there um, at that time. But uh, um, I invited uh, Kyle to come with me. And uh, he just, I mean, he, he said, Doug, he said, you know, you lied about Moldova. About this is, a, we're at CTE, the College of Theology and Education. And I thought, you know, I don't usually lie, so that's not like me. But uh, tell me why. He said, you know, Doug, he said, this place is even better than you described. There's 120 students, 140 at the time, half of whom are converted Muslims from Central Asia. Central Asian countries usually end in Stan, like Kyrgyzstan, um, uh, Azerbaijan doesn't end in Stan, Pakistan, um, I, uh, I can't even think of Kazakhstan, some of those other ones, Turkmenistan. And um, they bring them to Moldova, and they help train them. And uh, one of my favorite stories in asking Dr. Melancha one day, I, I said, yeah, I said, boy, you, you, don't you have any problem getting visas for all these students coming from these Muslim countries? And he said, oh, Doug, you know, they have that accent. And he said, oh, Doug, he said, you know, he said, the one day, he said, the minister calls me into his office downtown and, you know, for the government. And he, he says, uh, Brother Melancha, he says, I, I have a question for you. He says, yes, what's that? He says, are you bringing all these Muslims here to start terrorist training camp? <laughs> and he said, no. He said, we are bringing them here to teach them about Jesus. And being an Orthodox country, um, not having personal relationship in Jesus, but they believe that there is a Jesus. He said, oh, you're teaching them about Jesus. Keep, we will give you all the visas that you want. And so they keep bringing the students over. And I have the privilege of teaching there. And again, I'm on the left-hand side of the one in the back. And those are my students. And I, I teach a course on personal evangelism. And the, the young men that week uh, shared the gospel with over 200 uh, just that particular week alone. And so it's a privilege to go to the country of Moldova. And again, I could tell you story after story of these guys and their backgrounds and, and uh, nearly being killed by their brothers because they, they turned to Christ, being from a Muslim family, but recognizing that there was something different about their lives. And I'm telling you, the Lord is just at work all over the place. We uh, also had the privilege of putting together a missions conference for our pastors. And that was mainly to help mobilize them. Again, we want to help them to send out missionaries, to be missionary senders. The first one I helped organize was in the spring of 2008 in Budapest. And uh, you can see some of the people. We had about 35 there. And the picture of the two gentlemen I really love, it's a Bosnian pastor with a Ukrainian pastor. And they're getting together to talk about how they can partner together, what they can learn from one another, and that how their churches can be better mobilized to send out missionaries into the world. You know, sometimes Europeans are much better accepted around the world than Americans are. In 2009, just a year ago this month, or just last month, I had the privilege of helping organize the second one that we did for our organization in Istanbul, Turkey. And that's a picture of the Blue Mosque. And if you know much about Muslims, they're not very receptive to the gospel, at least in their, in their culture. You turn to Christ and you can expect to be executed. And this time we had over 65. You know, I just would really like to point out one gentleman. There's so many I could point out, but this one right here, his name is Pastor Geza Kovac from Hungary. I had invited him and he was very reluctant to come. 
And he said, well, you know, Doug, I don't know, this missions, you know, it's, it's good for you Americans, but, you know, for Hungarians, you know, we don't have enough money to send missionaries out. We just do what we do, you know. I said, Pastor Kovac, and he's the most prominent pastor in all of Hungary. Everyone knows, I mean, his dad was the Billy Graham of Hungary. That's how well-known this, this man is and his family. I said, look, I'll pay for it. You come. Actually, I didn't have the money. I had to write somebody at home and say, hey, can somebody send me some money so I can pay for this guy to come? You know, I didn't even, I said, I know, I knew the Lord would provide, but I just made the commitment and then I found the money. And um, so he, he came the last night. He gets up, he gives his testimony. He's in tears. He said, I had no idea that God would work in my heart in this way. He said, we were about church planting. We were trying to plant churches in Hungary. He says, but I see now that is also our responsibility to send out missionaries. I just got a letter from Pastor Kovac just a few weeks ago. He said, we're sending out our first missions team. We're sending out 14 from our church to Kenya, Africa. Can you say amen? The Hungarians are sending out missionaries to Africa because, see, it's not just an American thing. It's all of our responsibility to go. Not just Americans, but theirs as well. And Pastor Kovac is a great guy. But it was because of this. In the next three minutes, I want to show you, because we talk about mission movements, but I want, to see, I want you to see some of the faces. And these aren't even all the missionary, missionaries that are going out from Central and Eastern Europe. But I just want you to take a look at the faces and the countries that they're from and the places that God is sending them to you. And why am I doing this this morning? Because I just want you to be encouraged that God knows what he's doing and that God is at work. And then the second thing I'm going to get up after this is done, and I'm going to challenge you. Because you know what? We need to have a part in this. We need to have a part in what God is doing. So let me show you, for in the next three minutes, the faces of the people that God is sending from Central and Eastern Europe to the world.
you know, I do this presentation a lot, so I get to see that video a lot. And you know what? It still brings me joy knowing that the Lord is sending out missionaries from Central and Eastern Europe all over the world. Because, you know, they get into places that I can just never go and that I can never have access to. And he's allowed me to train many of them and to continue training in Moldova and Romania and Ukraine and other places. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity the Lord's given me. You know, this morning I have, uh, I brought with me, these are just some kind of response cards. As you saw, you know, we're just asking people to pray that the Lord would send a thousand more missionaries from Central and Eastern Europe to the world. And we have some response cards. They're actually out in the lobby, foyer, vestibule. I think there's even a few back out here. And if you'd like to just fill one out, we'll put you on the mailing list. And ask you, the only commitment we're asking is just, would you pray once a week for the next year? That's 52 prayers that the Lord would send out a thousand new missionaries from Central and Eastern Europe to the world. And if you want to be a part of that, you can, you can fill that out. There's a, there's a basket outside. You can leave that in and, and we'll get you on the mailing list. In closing, simply this. I was in a conference not too long ago where a pastor from Kyrgyzstan got up and he was speaking. And Kyrgyzstan, obviously a Muslim country. And he got up and he said, you know, he said, he said I am not afraid that the Lord will build his church in Kyrgyzstan. Of this, I am certain. I thought, you know, that is great faith. Here's a Muslim country, and he's not even afraid that God is going to build his church in this Muslim country. But what he went on to say next made my jaw drop. He said, my fear is that he will do it without my help. And I'm telling you, folks, I sat there, and with tears in my eyes, I said, Lord, that's my prayer. Look, Lord, I know you're going to build your church. I know you're going to reach the whole world with your gospel, that people are going to go. But Lord, please don't do it without my help. I want to be a part of it. You see, when you give in the offering and you're giving toward missions, you're having a part in it. I hope you don't give just because you feel obligated. I hope you recognize that you're having a part, that you're doing it and you're you're not letting God pass you by. Because he will. He'll he'll do it without your help, folks. And he'll do it without my help. He's going to get it done because he has a plan. And he's going to do it. The question is, will he do it with our help or without our help? And there's only three ways in the New Testament that I see that he does it. You can pray regarding missions. You can pray, and we've invited you to do that. And I know there's a missionary guide. You can give. And, you know, folks, just from me personally, who just got back to the States, I hope you tip God a higher percentage than you tip the waitresses and the servers. I mean, I was kind of shocked when I got back to the States. I'm not used to tipping that high. You know, we don't do that in Europe. But it made me think, you know, Lord, how much of a percent do I give you? And the third thing is, will you go? And can I just say thank you first for sending the teams out to the Philippines? And thank you, Nathan, for going um, in January. And Jason, thank you for going. And Rachel and Tori and Um, Paula, I can't even think of everybody's names, but I saw it in the bulletin, and I just want to say thank you for going. And you know what my prayer for your church is? I'd love to see your church send out three couples, three families in full-time missions. Do you think God can do that? Would you pray for that? Pray. And would you give? Because you can. And because you're demonstrating and saying, God, I want to be a part of this. And would you ask the Lord, would you send me? Should I go? And lastly, just pray for the Martin family. Thank you, Pastor, for letting us be here. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing and letting you and reminding you that our God has a plan and is just a privilege that we get to be a part of it. Don't let him pass us by.